Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I am Billy Embody. Thank you for listening. Look, guys, it has been quite the week tracking this SMU-UCF matchup, now set for Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Central on ESPN2. The game will be played, and we did get a chance to catch up with SMU head coach Rhett Lashley on Sunday um, after practice, as well as uh, get to observe practice for just a few minutes um, as the team continued preparations for the night. So let's break down kind of what's been going on this week. Over the last like week or so, obviously Hurricane Ian hits South Florida, devastates a lot of the coastal, um, you know, southwest Florida region uh, along the Gulf Coast. And um, first of all, I mean, I've got family there. Uh, I've got friends there. And, and just my heart goes out to everything I've, uh, I've seen, all the damage, especially Fort Myers, Naples, Captiva, Sanibel, uh, just awful images. So um, if, if you're listening uh, down there, for some reason, I, I hope this kind of gives you a little bit of uh, reprieve from all the, um, you know, rebuilding uh, that is going to have to go on. And, and uh, you know, hopefully you get a chance to enjoy a little Wednesday night. AAC action. Um, again, just just thinking of everybody down in, in Florida. Orlando was also hit with some flooding. That's why the game ended up being moved back to Wednesday, kind of allow that to die down as well as to be able to, um, you know, get all the necessary people in place for this game to happen. So now SMU looks to make it another win over UCF. They did beat uh, UCF. People kind of forget about the, the slump that SMU went into uh, last season late, but uh, during that slide, SMU did host UCF and and beat up on them pretty good, 55-28. Um, that was actually the last time UCF allowed a fourth quarter touchdown. The defense under Travis Williams has been playing great. Uh, they are the number one defense in red zone. Uh, they've scored on just 40% of their trips, 6 of 15 on the season. That's uh, UCF's opponent's uh, scoring percentage in the red zone. Just three of those have been touchdowns, and they played a, a decent schedule. They played Louisville, they played Georgia Tech, a um, couple other teams, and now, you know, AAC play, obviously you get some of these maybe a little bit more higher-powered offenses. Um, UCF did lose to Louisville, uh, and I think this game has a chance to maybe get a little weird. I, I think it could be one of the higher-scoring games SMU plays all season. Um, UCF leads the AAC and is third nationally in rushing with 275 yards per game. Uh, quarterback John Rice Plumley, who I saw a good bit of at, at Ole Miss, is one of the best athletes, um, probably just you know in the country playing quarterback first of all, but um, just has the ability to really make things happen. And you know he's fit in really well with Gus Malzahn's offense. Isaiah uh, Bowser is 19th nationally, five rushing touchdowns, and I mean he's. He's been playing really well, but also, um, you know, UCF doesn't just have those two, you know, rushing the football for him. Uh, they've kind of got a three-headed monster in, in the, you know, in terms of the running back room with Johnny Richardson and R.J. Harvey as well. Harvey's been really, really good as of late, um, a real tough runner. So, look, I mean, at, you know, the last game SMU played was against TCU, and the first and fourth quarter were were pretty poor in terms of rush defense. SMU was able to hold UC, uh, to hold TCU to just about nothing on the ground in the second and third quarters. 
And that's where they've got to find a way to find that consistency. You know, talking with Scott Simons last week, you know, this is obviously going to be probably the toughest task defensively that SMU will face all season, in my opinion. Uh, just the the stress that having a ru- running quarterback like John Rice Plumley brings to the table, as well as having a talented backfield in a scheme that is built to really get that run game going, you know, SMU is going to have to play very disciplined, uh, smart football defensively and make tackles uh, when the team is able to. I mean, that's that's been kind of the Achilles heel, right, is angles, um, you know, missing the, the opportunity to make plays uh, because you take a bad angle and then you miss a tackle and then it breaks for the big one. Uh, filling gaps, you know, that, that fourth quarter touchdown led up against TCU, uh, which was kind of the icing on the cake. Was was all about you know not being able to fill a gap and and just he hit it right up the middle and and uh, you know went for the I think it was sixty three yards uh, for the score so I think everybody knows the deficiencies on SMU's defense right now the run defense has really struggled um, you know compared to last year especially when they were one of the better run defenses uh, in the AAC for sure and also just nationally I think they ended up top thirty but. The pass defense actually, in terms of yards per attempt, is top 25 going into this one. It might have shifted a little bit here or there with um, uh, the action over the weekend, but I know going into the, this weekend when other teams played um, that you know SMU was, was top 25 in, in yards uh, per attempt, which is, which is, in my opinion, a, a better way to track it than just saying, all right, total yards given up because, I mean, not that SMU's been in um, – uh, garbage time with with other teams, you know, trying to play catch up. Uh, but you, you see some of the the passing yards giving up, you know, could be, you know, skewed by, um, you know, just the total yardage, whether they're passing, trying to come back and, and things like that. But yards per attempt, one of the better pass defenses in the country um, is SMU right now. So kudos to what that secondary has been able to do. And look, going into this one, SMU safety position is going to be thin. We broke the news on Sunday um, that SMU is going to be without uh, safety tra- Chase Cromartie and Isaiah Wachobia uh, for the foreseeable future. Chase Cromartie is confirmed. He's going to sit out for the rest of the season with an intent to transfer. And I, first of all, I want to say Chase went about this the right way, went to Rhett Lashley um, and and asked to, uh, you know, if he wasn't going to play more, that he could sit out and, and try to preserve a year of eligibility. You know, Chase has played uh, a lot of football for SMU, but he actually hasn't redshirted. So... Um, with that being said, he can transfer now um, and have uh, another year of eligibility to play somewhere else. Um, and actually, he'll have two. Um, he played as a freshman, played as a sophomore, so that's his COVID year. His, his 2021 season was his true sophomore season. This year would have been his true junior season. So he'll redshirt and get a redshirt junior and senior year elsewhere. He wasn't playing much. He was passed up, um, was a starter on special teams, so that hurts. And then Isaiah Wachobia, Rhett Lashley said on Sunday, is dealing with a hamstring issue. Right now, I'm still at this point kind of expecting him not to play the rest of the season. Um, He did not play a snap against TCU, played a little bit against Maryland. So he's kind of seen his playing time dwindle as Nick Roberts, as uh, Chris Adamora, uh, Brian Massey got back. all that. So that has contributed to his drop in playing time. But again, another starter on special teams. At the very least, Isaiah Wachobia will be out against um, UCF. 
in all likelihood. I mean, he he's just he's got a hamstring. He's just not gonna doesn't look like he'll play. But I'm being told that um, odds are he'll he'll probably end up sitting out the rest of the season, and he can manage that hamstring, get healthy, um, and see how it goes and kind of assess the situation. So he's been with the team, uh, and and we'll kind of keep tracking his future. But that's kind of where it stands with with Isaiah right now. And so SMU safeties obviously have to stay healthy now. The group that they've got out there is has been playing pretty well. You know, Adam Mora, uh, Nick Roberts, uh, Brian Massey is still coming back from that ankle. He's probably not 100%. I think everybody could kind of tell. And he's having to play his way back to, you know, being healthy and being able to, um, you know, get more snaps and reps because he basically missed five weeks of pre- practice, didn't play against North Texas and Lamar and got thrown right into the fire against um, Maryland and TCU. So if that's the case, uh, he's got to be, you know, hopefully ready to go uh, with those extra days of rest. I think overall SMU needed them. Rasheed Rice was nicked up as well. Um, Tanner Mordecai, you know, caught a big hit um, that caused some discomfort for him, caused him to, uh, you know, miss some throws, I think, against TCU um, as well. But so SMU gets a few more days to get healthy uh, and a few more days to kind of, you know, maybe reset a little bit as far as how they want to, um, you know, what what they want this run run defense to look like as as a, the AAC slate opens up because it has not been good um, at all. And, and a lot of it starts with tackling. Um, you know, a good bit of it, I feel like, started with depth a little bit. They got Jalen Samuels back. Um, they got Stefan right back. Junior Ajo is probably more healthy now. So we'll see if they could kind of translate that into, um, you know, a better performance and, and you know, one that at least limits UCF enough uh, that maybe they have to throw the ball a little bit more than they, they'd like to. But um, this, is, this is a defense that, you know, I, I think has played well enough at times for SMU to be a real, real threat in the AAC. Um, and certainly well enough for them to be in position to win the last two games they played. But those back-breaking big plays in the run game have really hurt SMU um, and, and you know, as well as turnovers as we kind of look at the offensive side of the ball, right? We talked to Casey Woods earlier this week. We talked with Rhett Lashley. Um, and, you know, a lot of it does come down to, you know, you just got to cut it out, right? The, the turnovers that have happened, whether they're on a receiver running a lazy route Tanner Mordecai, um, or, you know, somebody slipping or what, what have you, the fact is they've happened in the past game, especially, um, the fumbles have kind of been cleaned up, uh, from, for the most part, but you know, you can't, and it's always been at critical time. So I don't necessarily believe they're snake bitten, but whatever is going on in these critical situations has to be cleaned up. It's a lot of new guys coming together, right? You, I mean, Tanner Mordecai, Rasheed Rice are running around out there, but you also have, you know, Jake Bailey, Muji Dixon, Teddy Knox. Um, you've got a relatively new group of tight ends. That all has to be cleaned up, and they've got to get back on the same page to try and avoid um, miscues like that because they've really been killing SMU and, and been the difference in games. I mean, you look at you look at the TCU game. TCU didn't turn the ball over. SMU did. That was the difference. TCU got 14 points. Um in off turnovers and that was the difference in the ball game. So for SMU's offense, you know, you you know that they're going to get Rasheed Rice the ball. Um, you know, he's been playing at such an elite level, uh, and that has to continue. 
you're also going against a top 10 defense in scoring against UCF, uh, which is just limiting teams to 13 and a half points per game. That's eighth in the country. Uh, they've not allowed a team to score more than 20 points in a game this season. Um, and like I said, they haven't allowed a touchdown in the fourth quarter. So SMU has to jump out to a quick start. Okay. I think, I think Travis Williams is one of the bright young defensive coordinators in the country. He's going to make adjustments. He's going to make uh, changes that SMU is going to have to deal with and adjust to. Um, just like Rhett Lashley and Casey Woods are going to have to find ways that when those adjustments happen, they keep the offense rolling. And that's going to be something that, you know, again, when it comes to turnovers, they've just been kind of backbreakers and they've been really hurting at the critical point and times. This is one of those things where if SMU is going to be a, a threat in the AAC, they've just got to clean it up. And, and that's kind of what it comes down to. So with these extra days, I, I mean, you kind of, if you're an SMU fan, you hope that they've been really working on refining some of the fundamentals. I know SMU kind of got off, let's just say, like kind of gave their guys a little bit of a reprieve in terms of how hard they worked their legs. They did a lot of walkthrough stuff uh, on Wednesday when we were in there after the game was moved back a day. Um, they were they kind of just did a walkthrough on a lot of things, got off their feet, reset, um, and then kind of got back to it uh, the last few days with, with practice and things like that. So um, I, I feel like, the offensive line probably played one of its better games in pass protection last last well last game out against TCU. Um, so that's something to build off of. Again, the run game has to find a way to to come on here. Uh, Nolan Matthews Harris did return against TCU. I think as he gets more comfortable, that could help in the run game in terms of uh, them finding lay, lanes for him um, or for the running backs and and being able to you know again find a way to uh, move the football on the ground because. I think one of the issues with SMU's offense this year, and I mean, let's not get it twisted, SMU is atop the AAC along with UCF in terms of first downs. They are moving the football, um, you know, as well as anybody out there. But they just are putting so much on Tanner Mordecai's plate. So over the last two games, they've, you know, snapped the ball about 190 times, you know, probably close, I think it's close to 100 of those snaps are Tanner Mordecai dropping back to pass. So it's one of those things where the balance isn't that bad, but a more consistently productive run game over the course of a football game is going to help him because they've had to lean on him a little bit more than probably they need to. Um, and that's not to say Tanner Mordecai is a game manager, but it just feels like with the running back room that they actually have. And I, I think at this point it lacks a little bit of explosive play, you know, like a Ulysses Bentley um, where he really has that, that elite elite speed to break a, break a big run um, when he gets a little crease, they've got to keep chipping away with like four, five, six yards of carry um, with some of these, these plays. I mean, I, I feel like they're leaving some yardage out there, um, you know, at certain points of the game and then it sets them up in, um, situations where they're behind the chains a little bit uh and and then they have to throw and and then it ends up being third and long SMU did a good job on third third and longs against TCU they actually I believe converted over 50 percent of them um and they were over 50 percent on third down conversions for the game um they're just again it's turnovers they're they're turning it over at the worst times and teams are capitalizing on them so 
SMES to play a clean game. I'm interested to see what the crowd's going to look like, you know, Wednesday night. Obviously, the students are all back uh, in terms of, uh, you know, UCF and, and, you know, bring people back to the area after Hurricane Ian rolled, rolled through. Um, but it's still, still a Wednesday night game. Uh, it is a 7 o'clock game, so people can get there. Have They have time to get in there um, and, you know, support and do all that. And UCF has a huge student body base, so um, they'll at least be available for this one uh, to pack it out. And SMU will be without Roderick Daniels as well. Um, he's one that's going to sit out the rest of the season um, and intends to transfer. Um, that was confirmed by multiple sources. He's not been with the team, uh, and that's kind of how it's going to go. I don't think there's an avenue where he ends up coming back to the team. Um, now that he's made this decision, he sat down with Rhett Lashley. Um, and, and honestly, at this point, you know, I think one – for me, I think it's a, just a little premature for him, you know, to to do that. I think Rod is a guy that, while he's a, you know, slot, he's kind of limited in terms of his size. He's got some speed. He's got some ability to make big plays. I think hanging around another year, maybe even if he just naturally ended up redshirting, um, would have helped. Um, or giving it another year and then he could have redshirted next year and, and done the same thing that he plans to do now. Um, just see how he does in terms of battling for some playing time and things like that. But, um, you know, he is uh, he's going to move on. And I, I do want to say uh, it's been a rough uh, week or so for him. He lost his dad um, suddenly. So um, thinking of Rod and, and his family as they go through this, I can't imagine what that's like. Uh, and, it, and it's just an awful, awful situation. I will say he made the decision before that happened. Uh, but uh, thinking of him and his family, I mean, just awful uh, to hear uh, that happen. And, and again, so suddenly, uh, so thinking of Rod and his family during this time. But, you know, uh, I think he also sees, you know, Jake Bailey has another year. Randy Reese and Jackson Lavender are coming in. Um, Goffney's still uh, at that position and, and has certainly earned a, a few more reps as of late. Um, so, it's one of those things where he can jumpstart his his next next move and, and next spot um, a little bit early. I think you're going to see, and I do want to address this, I think you're going to see this a little bit around college football. It just kind of depends the situation where, you know, is it just going to be something quiet where you start seeing some players not end up on the participation reports? And I will say this, I know multiple colleges that are going to have staff that already monitor the portal, but they're going to be monitoring the participation reports because now if you see let's say a, a true sophomore who played a good bit uh, on special teams as a freshman who's from Dallas but you know goes somewhere else uh, for school out of state and now after game four or game five you know they they have played three or four games and they want to you know red shirt with intent to transfer and they have that conversation with their staff you'll see them float off the participation report. And so it's a lot of um, assuming and speculating that's going to go on across the country with a lot of these coaching staffs. Well, is that guy hurt? Um, has he had that conversation that he intends to transfer? Or are we going to be sitting here, you know, come December thinking, all right, that guy might very well enter the portal. And then it ends up being, okay, well, he's he was just hurt. Or he got passed up by a guy a one-year transfer who came in, uh, he's going to stick it out of that program and st uh, stay there. 
it's an interesting dynamic to have to monitor now. It's not a situation that's unique to SMU. I think the whole thing uh, with the four guys was blown out of proportion, uh, quite honestly. Um, and look, it's just, I mean, the Boise State quarterback just did it. You know, he's going to sit out. Uh, I saw a Memphis player uh, is going to sit out. Um, so it's not something that's unique. I don't think it's anything bad that's going on at SMU. I think all four of those guys, and we mentioned this in the story, that all four of those guys are guys that have really been passed up, um, right or wrong, in terms of their choice to do it. I feel like, you know, that's the reality, is is you're not losing starters. You're losing guys who contributed on special teams, and certainly from a depth perspective, especially at safety, it hurts. Um but I think the whole thing's a little overblown. I don't think there's going to be much backlash. I don't think there's going to be, you know, a mass exodus or anything like that. It's four games in. We saw some of these guys end up not getting the playing time they thought they would. And so I think that's why you're seeing this happen. So um, we'll see if any of these guys, like an Isaiah Wacobi who's dealing with the hamstring, if he ends up playing again this year, he does have another game to play. Um, and we can kind of see what happens from there. But again, um, kind of trusted what I was being told and, and you know, still feel like there's a good chance that uh, we could see him uh, end up, you know, sitting out the rest of the season. So we'll continue to track it, but it is one of those things, the new age of the transfer portal. They just did the window, which is only after the season, at least before that window, you year round could just know, okay, all right, that guy is entering the portal. I know he's in there. And that's that. And he intends to transfer. But now you have to, you know, are there guys that are going to kind of play games or whatever just to, you know, either keep NIL money money coming and or, you know, what have you to to avoid, you know, the actual transfer part of it. Or are they, you know, actually hurt or whatever. It's just a weird, weird deal to be going through right now across college football. Again, once again, the the system is a little wonky and you know, as much as I think the windows help, uh, they've also created this part of it, um, which I think is a little bit, is going to be a little bit more, not as, I think it's gonna be a little bit more widespread than people think. I think roster management becomes really important now, uh, in terms of, you know, first year players. I mean, you want them to play early. You told them they would, you know, if they did everything, they'd play early, but do you redshirt some of them now? So they can't do this down the line. Uh, versus playing them a handful of snaps a game. So it's going to be an interesting roster management thing for, for colleges across the country. But um, look, the the long and short of it is SMU has a really difficult opponent this week. And I feel like I don't, I don't think SMU needs a win to avoid a spiral. And I don't think things are going to spiral out of control if they did lose to UCF. What SMU needs is a clean game that they can actually feel like they left everything out there and didn't and don't have regrets, right? Like if SMU plays fairly well and UCF makes some more plays and wins, let's say, you know, 42, uh, 30, 37 or something like that, or, um, you know, at, both defenses step up and it's just one of those hard fought games uh, that ends, you know, 24, 21 or some, something weird like that. You've got, and they didn't turn the ball over, and they just couldn't move it against a, a really good UCF defense. Or um, if SMU's defense steps up and slows the run down, and and you know John Rice Plumley you know makes a play here or there in the passing game, you're kind of like, okay, it happens. It's football. I think they need a complete clean game. If they do that, I do think SMU could come out on top and win. You know, this is a this is a for the large part a group that dominated UCF last year. Um, 
at SMU when they won 55-28. This is not a, a completely different, you know, roster in a way. Um, and the UCF players mentioned that as well, that, you know, the front seven that they faced last year is probably one of the better ones that they faced uh, just from a talent perspective. So I don't know. I don't think I can predict an SMU win just because, you know, look, the last two games, they haven't made enough plays um, to do that. They've they've made plays, you know, on offense that have really hurt them and allowed Maryland and TCU to take advantage and, and win. So right now I, I do think I've got, you know, UCF winning. Um, I'm going to go 35, 31. Um, I think it'll be a good game. I think the extra couple days will help SMU. It's kind of a weird game. So at the very least, I hope SMU for their sake gets off the bus and starts fast because against, you know, Maryland kind of, they, they, they moved the ball down the field and, and, you know, ended up going forward on fourth down. So I, I wouldn't consider that a slow start. Um, especially they were able to hold to a, de- uh, a field goal on the first defensive drive as well. But, you know, against TCU, they can't have that that slow, slow start that they just had against TCU, against UCF. UCF will break big runs. They'll get up on top of SMU early, and then it's, again, playing catch-up. You're having to throw the ball. You're having to, uh, you know, take chances. That's where maybe SMU kind of hurts themselves, and and then, you know, we, we saw uh, turnovers happen, and, and, you know, they couldn't recover. So a fast start's going to be key if SMU wants to win this one, honestly, um, and, and, you know, not turn the ball over. If they, if they can do those two things and at least weather a probably fired up emotional UCF team that wants to play for its city, weather that and either, let's say, find a way to stalemate or, or be tied after the first quarter, then it's a ball game. Then you can kind of settle in, play your game, um, maybe they get a run game going. There's just always at this point a lot of maybes with SMU, right? They have not been able to consistently string together all the things that they tend to do well at times. They have been able to run the ball at times. They've been able to throw the ball at will at times. And they've been able to stop the run at times. They've been able to play really good pat, uh, pass defense. But they haven't done that for 60 minutes, really, especially in these these you know last two games. They pretty much did that against North Texas, I feel like. But you, you've got to find a way to string it all together um, when you face a good opponent in the AAC, and, and that's how you come away with a win. And So I just can't predict an SMU win right now. They haven't showed it in the last two games against two really good teams. Maybe they'll prove me wrong and show that they can. If they do... I do feel like they'll come out with a win, but again, I can't. I just can't predict it right now. You know, they're going to have to prove it to me. So I've got UCF winning uh, 38-31, I think is what I said. Uh, 38-31. Um, and, you know, honestly, at this point, until they show different, there's probably a turnover in there that makes you wonder, okay, do you go to Preston Stone? Because at this point, things just keep happening. And I don't think that'd be the right move. But again, if it does this game, I think it's worth the conversation and worth looking at because you you just have to you have to prove a point. Um, you know, Preston Stone came in against Lamar and threw a pick, and it wasn't pretty. Um, and I think he had a fumble against uh, North Texas, if I'm remembering correctly. But you, or maybe that was last year. But you've got to be able to take care of the football. And I feel like if SMU has another game where their chances are scuttled because of turnovers, 
it's a conversation worth having. Um, and, and maybe it's something the coaching staff has to look at. So with that, again, 38-31 is my prediction that UCF is able to beat SMU. I don't think it'll be a backbreaker. I think it's just going to have to, uh, going to lead to, if it does happen, some really tough conversations that might need to happen um, at certain positions, uh, no matter how it how it pans out. So with that, guys, hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the podcast. Um, we'll talk a lot of recruiting after uh, the UCF game. I want to share uh, my thoughts on Keldrick Luster. I saw him on Friday night. I thought he was ter- terrific. Uh, had almost 500 yards of total offense uh, in his team's win. We'll talk about the UCF game, what it means, and also look at recruiting and uh, what's next for uh, SMU in that class and kind of what they um, either finish out with or, or look at in the portal. So with that, guys, hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the podcast. Thank you guys uh, for subscribing to the podcast as well as on theponyexpress.com. We've had another run of big uh, subscriber numbers as of late. So appreciate you guys subscribing. Uh, please spread the word about us. Uh, at this point, you guys are our best um, you know, people that uh, spread the word about the site. And uh, we appreciate all you guys that have uh, and looking forward to uh, covering a little Wednesday night AAC action, 6 p.m. Central on ESPN2 SMU UCF. So hope you guys enjoy the game and uh, we will catch you guys later this week.